The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Alcantara, Soroka, you look so good in Boca. Peralta, Manoa, Balsac, Ferrer, Rinola, Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Mosusuka. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on May 6th. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers today on the show. Shohei Otani, that guy is amazing. Uh, encouraging signs from a few players, week six sleepers, two star pitchers, and much more. But first, oh my goodness gracious. Oh my good goodness gracious. Scotty, kick us off with one for the brand. So I was... Uh... Minded my own business this afternoon, kind of, kind of settling in for a day's work, and uh, I received a tweet from someone. Let's see who was that tweet from. Basically, all it said was he hit one with five exclamation marks. This 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 was a tweet from a guy named Arthur Fonzarelli, but I don't think that was his real name. <laughs> he hit one is all it said. And I knew exactly who he, the he was that he was referring to. And that was Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers off the schneid with his first home run. And Brendan Rodgers, you know, he's, he's coming around. Coming around. His last four games, six for 16 with that home run, two doubles. I think, uh, I think people who dumped Brendan Rodgers... You know, it might have made sense in certain contexts. I'm, I'm sure I told certain people they could go ahead and do it. But I didn't think we'd hear the last of him. And I, I think this is the start of uh, what, I, what I was hoping hoping would happen for him all, all along. Obviously has a lot of advantages playing half his games at Coors Field. And I think he's going to be one of those bats that we see heat up during the summer. Well, as the weather warms up, and that's not summer, I guess, for a month and a half, but you know what I mean. It's going to be good. It's going to be good for Brendan Rodgers still. I think this is the start of it. All right, and again, it's been a super small sample size. Scott, you mentioned what he's done over his last four games. Obviously, we only have uh, the data collected on Fangrass right now for the three games entering Thursday, but during that small sample, he is hitting the ball a lot harder. Brendan Rodgers is. Lots of line drives. I noticed as well, his roster rate is down to 53% over on CBS. Scott, I don't know that he needs to be added in points leagues. I mean, maybe if you just have a spot on your bench and your second baseman or shortstop isn't working out. But I would say 
in any league with a middle infielder, Brandon Rogers should be re-added if he was dropped. Yeah, it's hard to imagine he was ever dropped in those formats. Right. But if he was, I'm, I'm sure there are some out there where he was. And yeah, yeah, he's got I, I, seven batted balls of at least 100 miles an hour over his past four games now. That's um, very nice. That's quite a lot. So, yeah, that's a good sign. Six games next week for Brendan Rodgers, three of those coming in Coors Field. So if you need a second baseman or shortstop, as you may have noticed, second base kind of has been a wasteland to start the season. So if you want to uh, ride the hot hand there, three games again in Colorado, that is Brendan Rodgers. Chris, let's stick with the theme here. We'll go with a brand name for Towers. Who is that? Yeah, this guy had already hit a home run this season, so it wasn't quite as momentous as Brendan Rodgers' game, but Christian Yelich had uh, three hits in five trips to the plate on Thursday. He homered. He had three batted balls of 110.6, 111.7, and 113.6 miles per hour. Those are all very hard hit. He also had another one of 106.2 miles per hour. So four batted balls of over 106 miles per hour. All of them were line drives or fly balls. His one uh, his one line out was a 19-degree launch angle, 106-mile-per-hour ball with a 780 XBA, obviously. Chances of it actually being a hit are lower than that in this current environment, but all of that's very good. He hit the ball really, really well today. He's hit the ball, for the most part, really, really well all season, and the results just haven't been there for him, but... He ranks in the 86th percentile and average exit velocity, hard hit rate, 96th percentile. Max exit velo has been there, 114 miles per hour, I think is 112 miles per hour. says max exit velo, 78th percentile on ex-WOBA. So I think most of the signs are promising for Christian Yale. It's not like he's back to being an MVP because he's still striking out more than he did back then. He's not hitting the ball quite as well as he did. But yeah, the the average launch angle up to 9.4 degrees, that is the second highest of his career. You put that together with how hard he's hitting the ball. And the results are going to be, I think, very good moving forward. And and we've seen some signs of it. He's got three multi-hit games in his last five. Um, So yeah, I'm feeling pretty confident that Christian Yelich is going to be very good this season. But Chris, do games against the Cincinnati Reds count? Uh, he still has like 15 <laughs> of them. So even if they don't. Nah, that's fair. Uh, they, they, do. they would still. They, they count. Yeah. I, get, I get tired of the, you know, like it, this isn't an actual major league team. He's just, he's playing against children on a playground. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would this Little League leaders. World Series team actually beat the Cincinnati Reds? I love when people no. do that for like football Today's teams, right? lineup. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to say it was a Little League team, but like... It was bad. TJ Friedel, <laughs> assuming that's how you pronounce his name. Oh, it is. Brandon Jury, Tam- Tommy Pham, Mike Moustakas, Tyler Stevenson, Colin Moran, Matt Reynolds, Ronnie Dawson, Albert Almora Jr. How many of those guys would start on five other teams in baseball? It's not great. How, how many of them was Christian Yelich hitting off of? Ooh. Well, sure, but we're not we're not sure Hunter Green is all that good. He certainly doesn't look great right now. And 
you know, I, Louis Sessa and Tony Santini. I've got you arguing Deal. against Christian Yelich now. Do you understand? What's oh, I'm not arguing here? against him. I'm just saying the, the Reds are as bad as portrayed. No, the Reds are no, bad. They're, I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna have a 100 winning. That's not look. That's in. not a knock against like there are bad pitchers in baseball. Yes, there are bad pitchers every single day, and occasionally those bad pitchers even pitch well. And Christian Yelich. There are a lot of bad pitchers out there, and there are not a lot of games where guys have four batted balls of at least 106 miles per hour. So, like that, that argument holds no weight for me. Like that quality of competition, yeah, that matters. And you can say, oh, he might have only, but like he had a really good game. And Christian Yelich, overall hitting the ball well, uh, two home, three home runs now in his last six game or eight games. So, yeah, I'm uh, actually last six games. Yeah. So, I'm, Feeling pretty good about my Christian Yelich shares here. I looked up some quick numbers on Christian Yelich. His first two weeks, his ground ball rate was 56%. His fly ball rate was mm-hmm. 30%. Uh, his average exit velocity, 93 miles per hour. Since then, since April 22nd on, his ground ball rate is 47%, down 9 percentage points. His fly ball rate is up to 41%, 11 percentage points. And the average exit velocity, it's dropped but it's still 90.8 miles per hour. So it seems like he is making a conscious decision to lift the ball. And right now, the results are looking pretty good for Christian Yelich. So I I really like that fact that he's trying to get the launch angle up. And so far, it is working. We mentioned Hunter Green. He got rocked in this game. He allowed eight earned runs over two and two-thirds innings. Uh, Seven of his, what would that be, eight outs were via strikeouts. So I guess glass half full there. But Scott, 77% rostered for Hunter Green. Is it time to drop him? Uh, well, I mean, if he's going to be this bad when the velocity's good, you know, the velocity was way down the past couple starts, and we thought that was the problem. Turns out he may have some more learning to do. I mean, I'm hoping the Reds make it easy for us and, and just demote him when Luis Castillo comes back next week, but they may not. They, they obviously have a lot of bad pitchers in their rotation, and they may just decide to junk Vladimir Gutierrez or whatever. But it seems like Hunter Green could stand to reset in the minors. So, one, it surprised me if that happens. Yeah, you know, I mean, you could probably drop him in most leagues. There's a lot of upside there. It's not like his season's over, but it's it's been pretty ugly lately. One of the things about Green, you know, when reading scouting reports and looking at his numbers, is he, he was more hittable than you would expect coming up through the minors, given the fact that, you know, he was throwing 101 miles an hour and, you know, was able to sustain that kind of velocity. And his fastball especially was was fairly hittable. <clears throat> and one explanation for that might be this, you know, vertical approach angle thing that we're seeing more people talk about. Um, he, ha- he, he doesn't have a particularly uh, good one. He, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the right way to phrase it, but his, his fastball comes along the vertical plane at the same plane as the batter swings more often than not in a way that uh, just doesn't make it conducive to missing bats, even with the kind of velocity he has. Now, the velocity he has and the spin that he generates, that does make the pitch uh, still fairly effective, but it's gotten hit really hard. And while he's getting whiffs with it, um, when guys are making contact with it, the average exit velocity against on the fastball this season for Hunter Green is 95 miles per hour. 
And that was coming into today's game when he had seven balls in play with an average exit velocity of 103 miles per hour. <laughs> so, yeah, he got crushed. If everybody was it's hitting like Christian Yelich off Hunter Green, maybe we can write it off. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he gave up five home runs. I think he's droppable. Yeah. It reminds me a lot well, of what it's worth. I think Christian Yelich is awesome. I wasn't trying. Like, yes, I, I, I don't know if I was mi- my, 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 uh, you're a hater. It's fine. Joking around <laughs> gets misconstrued there. Yeah, I mean, of course. Like, I'm just fine f- trying to find a way to take a jab at the Reds. But, I mean, they are going through a lot right now. They got a COVID situation yeah. going on, and obviously a lot of players hurt. But, uh, yeah, I, I am very encouraged as well on Christian Yelich. And, you know, by that same token, whenever we talk about one, we have to talk about Cody Bellinger. I know the batting <laughs> average is way down, but the stat cast numbers actually look pretty decent for Cody Bellinger. So uh, I, I like what we've seen from both of those guys. Real quick on Hunter Green, reminds me a lot of early career Nathan Avaldi, where the fastball velo was great, but he was just very hittable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that vertical approach angle, Chris, it's basically the opposite of what Joe Ryan does. So Joe Ryan has yeah. this deception that makes it look like the fastball's rising, and it's like riding Yeah, he's got up. a low release yeah. point. And uh, Hunter Green is basically the opposite, which makes that yeah. fastball very hittable. Oh my goodness gracious for me. No surprise. Shohei Otani posts his second double-digit strikeout at outing of the season. This one at the Boston Red Sox. Seven shutout, six hits, zero walks, 11 strikeouts, 29, 29 swinging strikes on 99 pitches. That is the second most swinging strikes by an Angels pitcher in the pitch tracking era. So that is since 2008. The most against the Red Sox also I saw. Do you know who is number one? Since 2008, most swinging strikes by an Angels pitcher. Didn't Patrick Sandoval have a crazy yeah. high one? Yeah. Like a 33 swing miss it was, pitch la- It was last Patrick year? Sandoval. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, anyway, Shohei Otani, look, he was just absolutely ridiculous. Outside of that one start against the Texas Rangers this year, uh, he's been awesome. 3.08 ERA. The XFIP is 1.54. He's got 41 strikeouts to five walks over 26 and a third innings pitch. The fastball velo is up. Scott, I know we've mentioned this before, but... If Otani's pitching this well, we're talking about a borderline top five, top 10 starting pitcher, and he's already just a top five hitter for fantasy purposes. So I kind of think we're inching closer to, you might actually have to make a decision every week whether you want to use this guy as a hitter or a pitcher legitimately. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Now, we talked about it after his first start when we saw his velocity was way up and he got a ton of whiffs against the Astros. And, you know... He's only had two quality starts. He's only had two double-digit strikeout efforts. Um, you know, that I, I have one, you know, where he's split into two players, a hitter and a pitcher. I have him the pitcher version in one league, and I actually signed him this week because of the whole groin thing he had going on. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I was playing it safe. Darn. Oops. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think most people are in a position where they're going to be thinking about using Otani as a pitcher. Uh, you know, we're in, the way things are going right now. We got pitchers like Martin Perez boasting <laughs> a 2.25 ERA, and who, who are some of those guys we were talking about a couple days ago? All these, yeah, all these. It's a bunch Michael of Michael Waka. It's a bunch of bottom feeders with a one yeah. something ERA. It's like Brad Keller, Chris Flexen. It's it's yeah. pitchers that are usually very hittable. It's just I you know. I would guess more people are are pining for offense than than pitching right now and and you know that that could even out more as the season plays out 
Uh, Otani hasn't least, hit super well so far for what it's worth. But yeah, but I mean, he's got what four home runs, no four concern. steals, three home runs, three steals. I mean, four homers and four steals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously he still looks like a great hitter. Uh, yeah. I would just say it's at least, you can at least be open to the possibility now, but I still think most people are going to want to start Otani as a hitter. Okay. Uh, CBS has him listed as a two-start pitcher next week. No, he's not. He isn't. He's no. he's set to go on Tuesday. They have a seven-game week. Are, right. They're not. Are they still going with a six-man rotation? He is going. Yeah, they're they're always going to go with a six-man rotation as long as he's a part of it. And that's you know that's kind of the problem with Otani too. He'll almost never be a two-star pitcher. So I have him. I, I bumped him to Wednesday when I made out the the my whole pitcher table for this week. <laughs> so no, I don't have him as a two-star pitcher. Okay, yeah, I always trust Scotty's two-star <laughs> two-star grid more than I do uh, CBS. So that's why I thought I'd bring it up. You know, if he has two starts in any week, you might actually want to use him as a pitcher that week. I wanted to mention the just the offensive outburst again by the Brewers and highlight uh, Willie Adamas, double dong. He has seven home runs over his last 10 games. He is on fire. Christian Yelich, of course, what he did. Roddy Telez, two more doubles. The batting average is up to 275. More on him a little bit later on. Luis Arias went one for four with a leadoff home run and a really fun comeback for the Mets. Not if you're a Phillies fan, unfortunately. They were down seven to one going into the ninth inning and they came back all the way back. They scored seven runs and they win the game. Starling Marte went three for five with his third homer. Uh, Francisco Lindor went one for five with his fifth homer. Jeff McNeil, two more hits. He is batting 348 and uh, he's been one of the better surprises, especially in points leagues. Let's take a look at some pitchers, some players. Uh, Encouraging signs, some potential breakouts here as well. Aaron Nola, obviously he's already broken out in the past, but I really like what I've seen so far. He's thrown three straight quality starts, this one against the Mets. Seven innings, one run, seven strikeouts. He had 15 swinging strikes, and he's doing a great job limiting hard contact. The ground ball rate is back up this year, way up, 52%. Last year, that was all the way down to 40%. I think that was like a big reason for uh, what was wrong with Aaron Nola last year. So I love to see the ground ball rate back up there for him. Tarek Skubal was awesome at the Astros. Six innings, two runs, nine strikeouts to zero walks. He's got a 3.04 ERA. His XFIP is 2.43. His ground ball rate is also way up this year. His walks are down. His hard contact is down. Uh, he looks like a potential breakout as well. So, Chris, I'll throw these two names your way. Uh, Aaron Nola, what have you seen? Are you trusting it? Tarek Skubal, do you think this breakout is for real? Yeah, I mean, these might be two guys who would benefit from a diluted offensive environment and one where the ball doesn't travel as far, especially because that was an issue for both of them last year, keeping the ball in the yard. And so it's worth considering the possibility that this new offensive environment could help those two guys live up to their potential, Aaron Nola and uh, Tarek Skubal. Obviously, I have a lot more confidence in Aaron Nola. He's got a 32% strikeout rate and a 5% walk rate. So he's doing the things you want to see either way. Scooble, he's got a 33% strikeout rate and a 3% walk rate. So I'm, I'm not 100% sure, you know, I, I buy him being a big breakout candidate. However, it, it's worth pointing out that his fastball usage continues to go down. He's, he's swapping out some of his four seamers for sinkers, but throwing his slider more, um, 
And, you know, I think that's a, a pretty promising sign. That was one of the rare pitches Tarek Skubal threw last season that didn't get hit really hard. He's not getting a lot of whiffs with it, or at least he wasn't coming into this start. So, you know, that's still um, a concern. But eight swinging strikes today with the slider, that's a pretty good sign. I'm skeptical, but open-minded regarding Tarek Skubal's breakout chances. But I, I wouldn't say he's someone that I'm actively looking to acquire. All right, Scott, you get a much less exciting player to talk about here. Aaron Savale, he wasn't great on Thursday, uh, but encouraging signs. He had eight strikeouts, 16 swinging strikes against the Toronto Blue Jays. So obviously, tough matchup there. I noticed the velocity was up a little bit on all of his pitches. Uh, He leaned way into the curveball, which has been his best pitch by far this season. Were you encouraged by what you saw from Aaron Savale? I mean, I noted the same things you did. So it's not like he's just resting on his laurels. He's he's switching around his pitches. He clearly just figured out that the curveball was working for him in this start. And yeah, his velocity returned closer to normal after being way down early on. So, you know, he's still a guy who throws a lot of strikes. He's an efficient pitcher who can go deep into games. Is he going to be able to limit enough damage to be of use in fantasy? I have more optimism for him than somebody like Dylan Bundy. Yeah, after his last start. That is what we in the industry call damning with faint praise. (laughs) I was at the point of telling people to drop Savale after his last start, and I don't think he did enough here to say, okay, we'll pick him up again. But, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if he emerged as a useful fantasy option at some point. All right, Scott, you also get the hitter on this list. And Tyler Stevenson went two for four with a sock and a shoe. His third home run, his first steal of the season. He's batting 263. He missed some time on the concussion IL with that collision at the plate against Luke Voigt. That's who it was. Are you buying what we're seeing so far, Scott, from Tyler Stevenson? I mean, I think he's a fine starter in fantasy, and that's basically what he's performing like, right? I don't know. <laughs> the underlying I don't know numbers. What, are I don't know what gross. exactly you're asking me to buy. I guess a, a I buy him as a starting caliber catcher in fantasy. All right. I just know that we were, I don't know, collectively pretty skeptical of Tyler. Yeah. Stevenson well, I mean, there were guys I liked more, like Kirk and Garver. He, he seemed to be going high relative to other catchers, but. You know, obviously in season, the analysis is different. Um, I'm not looking to dump Stevenson for, I don't know, who, who's a catcher. Tried, like, is any catcher performing well enough on waivers? No. I, I mean, I, I guess I, I still like the upside of the only. I guess I still like the upside of Alejandro Kirk more. He had his first home run today, got off the schneid himself. Bunch of players I like getting off the, the schneid. And uh, I can see making that switch. But it's Tyler, Tyler Stevens probably going to be fine for you. So I don't know that it's necessary. All right. Uh, yeah, I noticed his underlying numbers. I didn't get a chance to look before the show, but the uh, expected batting average entering Thursday was 196. So, I mean, really small sample size. Again, he's missed some time. Yeah. But, you know, hitting in Cincinnati, playing a good amount of the time there. Probably get some games at DH. I think Tyler Stevenson is fine. What is wrong with these two players? Trevor's story, 0 for 4 with four strikeouts on Thursday. And apparently there's been some drama regarding Xander Bogarts not getting his contract extension. And I saw an article on ESPN the other day where it was like they're making the best of an awkward situation because Xander Bogarts 
knows that Trevor Story is like his heir apparent, I guess. And overall, I mean, the Red Sox are just not performing as a team. They're 10 and 16. They're minus 18 run differential. But Chris, specifically Trevor Story, it's been a real, real rough go his first month out of Coors Field. Yeah, when you look under the hood at the the underlying numbers, like he's striking out a little bit more than you want to see, 28%. Um, hard hit rate is down to 34%. That would be a career low. That would That's obviously exacerbated by an even worse offensive environment. He's hitting more infield pop-ups than he did last season, although he is hitting more line drives as well, so that's not necessarily a bad thing, at least in terms of the batted ball profile. But... I don't know. You you look at it all and it just I think it mostly just says he's cold. And not in a I don't think in a way that you should be worried about. But, you know, it, it's possible that the the underlying stats here that suggest that he's a worse player, that he's not hitting the ball as hard, that he's striking out more like all of that could be you know, the, the leading indicators of a, a massive slip in production for Trevor Story that would be exacerbated by him being out of course field, and that would be the concern here. But I think it's still too early. You know, we're, we're 90 plate appearances in, and I know that you're tired of hearing that. If you've got Trevor Story on your team, and let's say you've got Trevor Story and, and Joey Votto, and who's another player who's preferred Trevor Rogers, and you're probably tired of us saying stuff like that while you slip further and further down the rankings. But that's probably the truth. Mm-hmm. It's probably just that Trevor Story's in a cold spell right now. And he's going to get hot at some point, and he's going to lock in, and he's going to look like a much better player. And that's what I'm willing to bet on. But I can't specifically point to X, Y, and Z in his profile and say, well, this is, he's actually gotten unlucky. He's not one of those guys. You know, he, he, he's, he's earned his struggles. I know about you guys, but seeing some real improvement from my fantasy teams this week. Hoping that's the patience <laughs> paying off. Except for one. There's one, there's one slacker out there. Need to a lot of fire under its behind <laughs> have a Get stern too. have a stern dad talking to with yeah. that team's got it's got marcus simeon on it uh, yeah that's yeah what were you thinking a couple <laughs> a couple of a couple of guys who are up to no good yeah uh, look, i need to start making trouble in their neighborhood <laughs> i think this is a good reminder that it's a long season right again like people are probably tired of hearing that i understand like you know we want instant gratification. We want to we'll see our teams perform well. Of course, everybody wants to do that. But, you know, it's we've played one-sixth of a, a really, really long baseball season. So the hope is um, Red Sox and, of course, Trevor Story gets back on track. How about Jose Barrios? I know his past couple of starts have been better, but overall the underlying number is not looking too good, and he was clobbered in Cleveland on Thursday. Four and two-thirds, eight hits, eight hits, six runs, one walk, zero strikeouts. He allowed eight more hard-hit balls. His expected ERA, according to StatCast, entering the start was 8.21. That is, uh, that's quite bad. Scott, uh, what is going on with Jose Barrios? Are you actually worried about this? I don't think so. In fact, like I know he was miserable at the start of the year. His first couple starts were just dreadful. 
But yeah, his his past three prior to this one had been fine. He looked like typical Jose Barrios. Uh, and I imagine this start actually lowered his XERA because the average exit velocity against him was only 86.8. So it wasn't like uh, wasn't like Cleveland was teeing off on him. There was the one home run to Stephen Kwan, another guy getting off the schneid. First home run. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's this is just the Barrios experience. So, sometimes he looks really ugly, but most of the time, he's fine. If you had over two and a half times, Scott said Schneid on the podcast today, you just cash your ticket. So congratulations. Yeah, baby. Well, this, that's what this show's all about as far as I'm concerned. We Getting got off. Kirk, we got Quan, we got <laughs> Rogers, we got Jesse Winka. Hey. Even even Yadier Molina. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if a, a homerless Yadier Molina could be considered on the Schneid. But if so, he's off it now. I mean, if if Stephen Kwan could be on the Schneid, then I think Yadier Molina could be on why, the Schneid. Why, why are you acting like uh, Stephen Kwan's this guy is going to hit like like uh, D Gordon or something? D Strange Gordon, excuse me. Because that's what he's done for most of his professional career outside of eighty-seven games last year. Well, I mean, he's a young guy. You get you get bigger, you get stronger. Isn't he like 25? That's young. He's not like that. That's he's young. How, that how young are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm older than that. Exactly. Hey, you know. But I didn't have a lot. I didn't have a lot of potential when I was 25. <laughs> you know who came up around 25 years old, and he's pretty good? Aaron Judge. I don't, I don't think Stephen Kwan's going to be Aaron Judge, but I mean, really? <laughs> Probably not. Maybe the batting average version of uh, what would that look like? Batting 400, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen, but Stephen Kwan's all right. Uh, should you add these players anywhere? I'm going to throw two pitchers your way, Chris. Nick Martinez, nice little pitcher's duel up against Jesus Lazardo on Thursday. Uh, Martinez, seven innings, one run. Four strikeouts, his longest start of the season. He is 12% rostered. He's up against the Cubs next week. And Rich Hill through three straight scoreless outings now. His ERA is down to 2.86. He is 7% rostered. Uh, would you look to add those in any leagues, Chris? Nick Martinez, Rich Hill. I think Hill especially. There, there's little to be excited about there because you're you're never going to get more than five innings out of him, almost certainly. So you're hoping for decent, for good ratios and and strong per inning production, and I just, I don't think you can count on that moving forward. The underlying numbers don't necessarily back it up either. So, I am more interested in Martinez, but he's just a 15 teamer. I think there's not a lot of strikeout potential there. I don't think, and there's a chance that the Padres either go with a six man rotation or move him to the bullpen. He is under a you know, relatively long contract. <clears throat> he signed for what four years this off season, but yep. it's not big money, so it's not like they're they're married to keeping him in the rotation. Let's uh, run through some of these waiver wire hitters real quick. Uh, Chris Max Kepler three for four. The batting average is up to two sixty six. He's seventy seven percent rostered, which means he's only available in the shallowest of leagues. Do you think that Max Kepler should be universally rostered at this point? You know, it's always, once we get to this point, we're always talking about, like, the three outfielder leagues, mostly 10 and 12 team three outfielder leagues. And, like, I don't think he's going to be one of the 36 best outfielders moving forward, let alone one of the 30 best. But there aren't, I don't know if there are 30 good outfielders right now. <laughs> no. You know, when I do my rankings, I I kind of feel like I hit, I don't know, 26. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, 
Yeah, there's def- I- there's a definite point there. Remember, like the first week of the season, I moved Connor Joe and Stephen Kwan way up, and I know you guys, mm-hmm. Chris especially, wasn't comfortable with it. But it, like, there's just a point in the outfield rankings where it's like these guys are good, <laughs> and these guys. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no. and, but, and so like anybody who gets hot immediately jumps to that point in the outfield rankings, basically. And mm-hmm. and so I think Kepler, I mean, Kepler, it, for points leagues, if we're talking about the shallowest format, he has the built-in advantage of not striking out much. And we've seen him be a top 36 outfielder before. Obviously, it was a couple years ago. Uh, I would bet against it, but... But it is kind of that, like, if you have an outfield need, you're kind of just swapping out the hot hand until one of them sticks, is, is yeah. how I feel like it. I'd feel more comfortable starting him than Joey Gallo in a traditional 5x5 five five league right now. Yeah. I'm saying something. I moved, uh, I moved Kepler up ahead of Joey Gallo, I believe. Yeah. I have Gallo down at 61. I mean, Joey Gallo just... Just go away. Uh, Max Kepler, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's higher than him for me. Scott, who would you rather have if you needed to add one outfielder, Brandon Marsh or Austin Hayes right now? They're both hot. Uh, if, I, I guess you're saying I have to start them. I, I mean, I'd rather have Marsh. I, I don't think Hayes' upside is enough to make a real investment in him, but Marsh, I could see... I could see him emerging as a top 30 type outfielder, if, particularly if he gets more playing time. Um, you know, I'd, I'd go with Tommy Pham over both of them. He's still pretty widely available. Not to, you know, just rewrite the rules here. That'd be a little game. <laughs> I'd go with uh, Rowdy Telez, who I didn't get to talk about yesterday over both of them. I think he's basically must start, uh, must add Rowdy Telez. He's, yep. he's, and he's got his... Roster rate has risen from 28% to 51% in just one day, but that's still, you know, he's still available in half of all leagues. So if you didn't get picked up in yours, it's not too late. All right. In deeper leagues, two names. Again, Yadiel Hernandez, one that we've talked about a lot recently. He went two for five with his first steal on Thursday. He has five, five straight multi-hit games. He's been awesome. 9% rostered. He's got six games next week, only one lefty on the schedule. And Juan Yepes. The prospect with the Cardinals, back-to-back days with two hits to open his career. He started in right field on uh, Wednesday and then started at DH on Thursday. He has first base eligibility on CBS. So in deeper leagues, Yadiel Hernandez and Juan Yepes. Let's take a quick break and we'll get to the news and notes right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
The news and notes. Carlos Correa unfortunately exited Thursday's game after getting hit by a pitch twice, and one of those uh, on his hand and early imaging suggests that he does have a non-displaced fracture in his finger. So I would imagine that's something that, that could keep him out for quite a while. And Scott, we were talking beforehand, you mentioned the name Royce Lewis, who's a prospect mm-hmm. in the Twins organization. You know, if Correa's out for any period of time, maybe he gets a shot. I mean, not just a prospect. He was the number one pick in the 2017 draft. And he missed, He didn't play any of the last two years. He had a torn ACL, and, and obviously there was a pandemic in 2020. So the last we saw him was 2019, and he wasn't very good that year. There were some mechanical issues he was dealing with. Um, but he's come back this year looking very much like a, like a number one overall pick. He's been awesome at AAA. Uh, the OPS near a thousand, about a about an even number of walks and strikeouts, eight stolen bases already. So the knee wow. is not. You may have added another since I I'm, I'm looking. I'm just looking at the prospects report piece I wrote Wednesday night. So and the mechanical issue appears to be gone. A swing shorter. He's he's toned down the leg kick that was, you know, kind of kind of making his swing a little noisier than it needed to be. He just looks. He, he looks like he used that time away constructively to, um, to, to, to really maximize his potential. And he's still only 22, so it's not like it's it's not like he's behind developmentally because of it. And yeah, I mean, they recently called up Jose Miranda. They've started him every game, so they had enough of a need in their lineup to to do that. And now, if they're losing Correa, like what's What's the more logical answer at shortstop than to call up Royce Lewis and give him a shot? So, I mean, that's the kind of upside, particularly when when you consider the speed element. Uh, I, I don't think it's a bad idea to take a flyer on Lewis anywhere, certainly in, in categories leagues where you could use some stolen base help. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I know the track record of call-ups the past few, two, three years hasn't been great, but it's still... It's still, um, you know, the, the, the rewards are still better than, for them than most of what you'll find on the waiver wire at this point in the season. All right. And again, if Correa is out for quite some time, uh, obviously Royce Lewis, a name you could look at. Glaber Torres, 72% rostered. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, who we mentioned earlier in deeper category leagues. Andres Jimenez is playing really well, 37% rostered uh, for Jimenez. Ryan Presley was reinstated from the IL Thursday and thrust right into a save opportunity where he gave up two hits, including a home run. He took the blown save. His velocity was down two miles per hour. Just didn't look right when I was watching that game. Uh, Chris, would you look to add Rafael Montero as insurance? He's pitched really well in Presley's absence. I I suppose, but... I don't know. There are so many guys who we're trying to to chase saves with right now still that I don't know if like the guy who still needs either an injury or continued underperformance to even have a chance. And it's not clear he would be the guy anyway. Uh, I don't know if that's really the best usage of your resources. Will my guy Hansel Robles ever get another save? I'm going to go with no. Nick Castellanos exited Thursday's game after getting hit by a pitch near his wrist forearm area. X-rays were negative. The Blue Jays lied to us. Teoscar Hernandez was not activated on Thursday and instead played another rehab game. He is likely to return this weekend. Andrew Vaughn was placed on the IL with that bruised right hand. The poor guy just cannot catch a break. It was... 
finally looking like he would play every day with Eloy Jimenez hurt. Blake Snell made his second rehab start on Wednesday at single A. He gave up four runs over four innings, striking out eight, and he did get the pitch count up to 66. Luke Voigt is expected to need a one-week rehab stint at AAA. He's reportedly fully healthy, but he's staying there to work on his swing. Nick Lodolo is penciled in to return from the IL and start Saturday against the Pirates. Scott, let's say you play in a daily lineup league. Would you throw Lodolo right back out there? I got him in my top 10 sleeper pitchers for this week, but you're saying the weekend, right? No, next yeah. week. Uh, he faced right? the Pirates this weekend, and I believe this next weekend. week. Yeah, And next week, yeah. yeah. And I thought that I thought I had him going against the Pirates. Uh, okay, so right away, first start back. I mean, that matchup is obviously favorable. He was looking good before he got hurt. Yeah, I mean, in daily leagues, I'd probably activate Lodolo right away. And then for next week against the Pirates, again, you, you, know, you have the added advantage of seeing how he does in that first start back. I like it. Matt Brash, don't like this, has been sent down by the Mariners and he will work out of the bullpen at AAA, though manager Scott Service said this isn't necessarily permanent for Matt Brash. Kyle Lewis will be on his rehab assignment for the majority of the allotted 20 days. He's attempting to return from meniscus surgery he had last year uh, and obviously has had some success in the past. He won Rookie of the Year, I believe, in 2020. And he's 47% rostered. So if you want to stash Kyle Lewis in those five outfielder leagues. Kyle Irvin was, Cole Irvin rather, was placed on the IL with left shoulder soreness, retroactive to May 2nd. Nelson Cruz has missed two straight days with back stiffness. Lamont Wade is expected to be activated from the IL Friday. Last season, he hit 253 with 18 homers and six steals. He's... 11% 11% roster, a name to watch in those deeper leagues. Nate Pearson scheduled to throw a bullpen on Friday. He threw 26 pitches on Tuesday. He's 18% rostered, likely to work out of the bullpen for the Blue Jays, so I don't know how much upside is there for Nate Pearson. Uh, Dylan Bundy, Luis Arise, and manager Rocco Baldelli all tested positive for COVID. And last but not least, Steven Strasburg will face live hitters again on Friday. There is a chance he could begin a minor league rehab assignment soon. Some prospects news I wanted to mention. Max Meyer could be promoted to the big league rotation in the near future. That is per Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald. The former first-round pick has a 1.71 ERA, 33 strikeouts, over 26 and a third innings at AAA. Chris, 38% rostered is Max Muncy. Would you consider him a must? Stash. <laughs> um... No, I mean, mustache like 100% rostered? No, he doesn't need to be 100% rostered. But if you're in the kind of league where, you know, top prospects tend to get rostered, yeah, he needs to be among them because he's been one of the best pitching prospects in baseball the past couple of seasons. And he was impressive in spring training, and there were rumblings that he might be pushing for a rotation spot. And, yeah, he looks like the, the next stallion. So, uh yeah, I'm I'm excited to see it, and I, I feel like we could be one Eliezer Hernandez start away from Max Meyer getting an opportunity. Orioles catcher prospect Adley Rutschman will be reinstated and report to AAA on Friday. Scott, I know we did a podcast recently, and my prediction was he would be up before the end of May, up with the Orioles, so I'm mm-hmm. sticking with it. I think there's a good chance. If, if he hits yeah, well, I mean, we could see him soon. GM's basically said he has... Nothing more to prove in the minors other than he is himself as he makes his way back from this triceps injury. 
So, I mean, that's that's as clear as I think you're ever going to hear a front office person about when they're planning to call him up. And basically, once he proves he is himself, which could be some point in the next week you know he's, he's already moved his rehab all the way up to triple a so he's he's right on the precipice all right uh pitcher prospect dl hall for the orioles has also been promoted to triple a i say just call them all up together scott adley rutchman dl hall grayson rodriguez <laughs> let's just have a party let's let's go crazy yeah they're probably probably not gonna, not gonna happen <laughs> I, I actually bumped uh in, in the latest prospects report i bumped Grayson Rodriguez in favor of Royce Lewis, which turned out to be prescient, prescient in a way that I wasn't necessarily anticipating because I wasn't planning on Carlos Correa getting hurt. But, I mean, Grayson Rodriguez's last two starts have been shaky, so I don't know that he's necessarily on the verge. He'll be up at some point this season, though. All right. If you want to hear more about those top prospects, you can listen to our Saturday episode of Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. You can download and follow wherever you listen to this podcast. The Week 6 Preview. Let's take a look at the schedule. It's really spread out. Once again, we have three teams with five games, the Braves, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays. 19 teams have six games. Six teams have seven games. One team has eight games. That's the Detroit Tigers. And, <laughs> and, I, I had to look this up on multiple sites. There's a team with nine games next week. That is the Oakland mm. A's. So... Make sure you go pick up Ramon Laureano because he's back this Sunday. Uh, before we get into the two-star pitchers, to add, Scott, who are some names that are on the fringe that you might be worried about starting next week? Well, Frank, I would say Adam Wainwright has the Orioles, has the Giants, but I'm thinking you're probably going to want to go ahead and start him coming off a, a really good outing. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, we keep waiting for him to return to Earth. He gets the Rays and the Athletics, so matchups on the opposite end of the spectrum. But, I, you know, I think you probably need to start him, too. Uh, maybe the most interesting name of all is Luis Castillo, set for his season debut on Monday after being hurt at the start of the year. He's looked good at, on his rehab assignment, and the matchups are against the Brewers. We don't think of it as a good lineup, but obviously they're red hot right now. Maybe they're becoming a good lineup. But the second matchup is against the Pirates. So, you know, unless it's a situation in a categories league where you're you're really, really protective of your ERA and whip, I would go ahead and, and start Castillo, certainly in any points leagues. Uh, the most interesting... Let's see. Okay, well, let me go through a few new, more names here. Alex Wood against the Rockies and the Cardinals. Lean yes on that one. Tarek Skubal, who we just saw uh, perform well on Thursday. Oakland and Baltimore. Ooh. Two great matchups. Love it. I'd like to be able to call him a sleeper, but he's just too rostered, and I think an advisable play this week for sure. Corey Kluber, also too rostered. Kind of surprised to see that, him being more than 80% rostered. Angels and Blue Jays, couple tough matchups there. I lean yes, but... You know, it, it kind of depends on the the circumstances of your team. Obviously, it's easier to say yes in a points league than a categories league. Uh, one name I skipped over who might actually be available in your league is Tony Gonsolin. He gets the Pirates and the Phillies, but I like that one. If you need to look a little deeper, Austin Gomber, who is coming off a game where he had 18 swinging strikes, and remember, he had a, a really interesting seven-start stretch in the middle of last year uh, and then got hurt. 
trying to remember what the injury was. It was something arm related and, uh, you know, seemed to lose momentum after that. Wasn't great when he returned from the injury, but three quality starts in a row. Obviously the big swinging strike effort last time he gets the giants in San Francisco and he gets the Royals at home. So some good, some, some good, some bad, but he's only 28% rostered. You know, I think in points leagues, it's 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 it may be worth a shot. Austin Gomber. All right, fortune favors the brave two-star pitcher of the week. Who do you got, Chris? Fortune favors the brave two-star pitcher of the week. He's never done this before. He's being initiated here. This is where we sound stupid. I (laughs) think I would go with Jamison Tyone. It's tough matchups versus Toronto and at the Chicago White Sox. But among the fringy options listed on this uh, list, yeah, um, I think Jamison Tyone is just the best pitcher. So I'm going to go with him. I like it. The White Sox have struggled against right-handed pitching this year, 28th in weighted on base average. Uh, for me, again, you don't have to play this player. It's, you know, if you're, you're, you're feeling bold, you're feeling brave. I'm going to go with Michael Pineda, just because I like the matchups. <laughs> Going up against the Oakland A's and the Baltimore Orioles. Scott, who do you have? I don't know. I think, I think I'm going to have a little more fun with this. Oh, now, no. this is definitely, for what it's worth, the oh, fortune no. brave. Like, it started as a joke because Corbin, <laughs> Patrick Corbin was in line for three starts the first week of the season. But he's Patrick Corbin, and like, Ugh. why would you want to do that? So that's how it started. It's, it's a, why would you want to do that pick? And... The answer is because I'm just that crazy. So it's, it's, I wouldn't actually do this. It's definitely a do as I do, not as I say exercise. Uh, Hunter Green is the ultimate fortune favors the brave pick. Now you could have 20 strikeouts this week going against the Brewers and the Pirates, or he could give up 20 earned runs. Oy. How brave are you? Who you have to be braver than me? That's for sure. Who is more brave slash bold, Scott White or Matt Damon? I'm not actually that brave. <laughs> I'm just saying this would be a brave pick. All right. I guess I, guess I wouldn't it, do it. I guess it's to make Matt, it clear. I am not starting Hunter green this week. I guess there it's are Matt lots Damon of people then. that are braver than me and just want to maximize their starts and, and you know, <laughs> knock yourselves out. All right, Scott, let's run through uh, some single star streamers. Who you got? Who you have here? Okay. So it's not great this week. Going to be honest, not a great week for sleeper pitchers. But Nick Lodolo, who we're already mentioning, his second start back, like his first start back, will be against the Pirates. And you got to like that. Shorn of Montgomery against the White Sox. You know, he barely makes the cut 77% rostered. I think he's always kind of fine. And that matchup is fine with as many hitters as are hurt right now. Uh, Let's see. Adrian Hauser, Mitch Keller. They're both going against the Reds, who have won three games so far this year. So... Can you can you hear the enthusiasm in my voice for these picks? Michael Lorenzen at Oakland. That's okay. Bruce Zimmerman at Detroit. Hmm, maybe. Tyler Anderson at Pittsburgh. Good matchup, good supporting cast. Good pitcher? Probably not. But that uh, that pretty much covers my top 10 sleeper pitchers for this week. Revenge game, Scott. Tyler Anderson revenge game. There you go. Book it. I like it. Uh, he's, he's pitched well so far for the Get for the yourself a personal pan pizza. <laughs> I almost ordered a personal pizza on Thursday. I was out at some brick oven pizzeria, but then they told me they had to 
refill the coals and it was going to take 45 <laughs> minutes. It was like, well, why are you even no. open then? Anyway, uh, <laughs> best hitter matchups. You should have those coals firing all the time, Anthony. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. Best hitter matchups for next week. Of course, those Oakland A's, they got nine games next week. Number two, the Detroit Tigers. They have eight games next week. Then the Mets, the Rangers, and the Royals. The worst hitter matchup next, next week, the Braves, Mariners, Phillies, Marlins, and the Rays. Scott, bring us home some sleeper hitters. All right, well, you got to go with Rowdy, Rowdy Telez, who is great. I wasn't on the show yesterday. I don't know if you guys brought it up. He started against two of the last three left-handers the Brewers have faced. So, you know, that that was always what held me back from going full rowdy is just the 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 likelihood of a platoon. But it just so happens the Brewers are facing only one lefty this week. So, you know, he has a chance to what's the word I'm looking for? Seize that job even more. That's not the word I'm looking for. But anyway, uh, Randall Gritchick and Brendan Rogers. Like we got to get that roster rate up for Gritchick already. I'm tired of putting them on this list. <laughs> they get half the week at Coors Field, and Rogers, as we mentioned, is heating up. Tommy Pham, uh, you know he's a good pickup anyway. The Reds matchups—they're kind of middle of the road, but good enough for me, given how good I think Tommy Pham is. Stephen Kwan, hopefully he's heating up again. Cleveland. Faces no left-handers this week, and Quan's numbers are especially good against righties, as you'd expect for a left-handed hitter like him. Uh, Ian Happ. You know, a lot of these players are just under-rostered hitters who, whose matchups aren't that bad, so I'll stick them on the sleeper hitter list. Uh, if you want some hitters from the teams you rattled off as, as having the best hitter matchups, Sheldon Noisy with those nine games. I think that's the one athletics player out there who I might look to 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 take advantage of all those games with Jamer Candelario who's heating up had a big home run off Ryan Presley making his return for the Astros velocity still look bad but Candelario's been been hot lately and the Tigers have the second best matchups as you mentioned and we'll also mention a guy's only nine percent rostered Edward Olivares getting to bat lead off for the Royals power some power some speed and pretty good matchups. Fifth best matchups this week for them. All right, let's wrap up with some leftovers from Thursday's action. The pitchers, Robbie Ray, a mixed bag against the Rays, six and two thirds innings, four runs, five strikeouts. The swinging strikes looked really good. Fastball velo, uh, up a little bit. Shane O'Mac, Shane McClanahan, he was solid. Five and a third, two runs, five strikeouts. Jesus Lozardo, he was doomed by Manny Machado, unfortunately. Six plus innings, three hits, two runs, three walks, seven strikeouts for Lozardo. And then Miles Michaelis, another solid start. Five and two thirds, one run, three strikeouts to three walks. Chris, anything you'd like to add on Robbie Ray, Shane O'Mac, Lozardo, Miles Michaelis? Yeah, McMahon was actually throwing harder in this one. His velocity was up about one mile per hour. He was who's who's McMahon, Chris? McClanahan <laughs> uh, was sitting uh, around a hundred early on. Hit one hundred point seven miles per hour with his fastball. That's range we don't see him at too often. He's thrown he had thrown seventeen pitches above one hundred miles per hour coming into today's start. Um, but you know the results were fine. They weren't you know eight swinging strikes as a really low number for someone who was throwing harder. So that's weird. Um, but I obviously no concerns there. He's 
making me look pretty dumb um, <laughs> so far. And actually, what's really interesting is the quality of contact metrics have been very good for him, which is a reminder that, one, we're dealing with small sample size now, and that may be noisy, but two, that we were dealing with a small sample size last year with his quality of contact metrics. So, you know, we still don't quite know who he is in that regard. Um, and just talented players often get better. Sure. Sure. And then Robbie Ray, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it was good That's to see that. What? That's the one I'm worried about. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was wait. good to see the swinging strikes. It was good to see, um, the velocity up a little bit, but like still only five strikeouts and six and two thirds innings still got hit pretty hard, which has been an issue for him. And, and, you know, that's the issue with him in general is if he's not going to be an elite strikeout pitcher, and it's sort of hard to bet on that when he's throwing 92.5 instead of 94 like he was last year, he's going to have to be something that he's never been, and that's a good quality of contact guy. And what's weird What's weird is, like, he was a, obviously an amazing strikeout pitcher even before the velocity jumped yeah. last year. So I don't... Like he's had one start still this whole year with a strikeout per inning or better, which is just yeah. so weird and out of character. And, like, you know, for all the hand-wringing we've done over different high-end pitchers to begin the year, Shane Bieber, Julio Arias, Zach Wheeler, I think the only one I'm still worried about is Robbie Ray. Well, I think part of that is he's become really just a two-pitch pitcher. You know, even last season when he was really good, he was 59% fastballs, 31% cur- uh, sliders. So the curveball was rarely used, and the changeup and, and sinkers even more rare. And so I, I just think, like, when you're, when you're only throwing two pitches, you know, when the stuff is playing up, you can get away with it, but... You know, he's a different kind of pitcher than he was early on in his career. And he might be a better pitcher than he was early on in his career. He just might not be able to get the strikeouts with this approach. And so it's it's definitely concerning. I'm I'm much less confident that he'll be a high end pitcher at the very least. I'm not worried that he's going to be bad necessarily, but I don't have a lot of faith in Robbie Ray being, you know, a, a top twelve guy like I like I hoped he would be coming in. Hitting leftovers from Thursday, Jared Walsh, two for four with his fourth home run, his second in as many days. The Nationals, they enjoyed their trip to Coors Field. Juan Soto went two for three with two walks and his sixth home run. Josh Bell went two for four with a double. He's now batting 356. Caber Ruiz went two for five with his first home run of the season. On the other side, Randall, Randall Grichuk went two for four with his fourth homer. He is batting 325. Bo Bichette. Three more hits, two more runs scored. He has 11 hits over his last six games. The batting average slowly climbing up, 254 for Bo Bichette. His teammate, Vlad Jr., hit his seventh home run. Stephen Kwan hit his first homer. Alejandro Kirk hit his first home run. Fran Mil Reyes now has five hits over his last two games. Baby steps, hopefully. Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos, they went back-to-back. Harper hit his fifth home run. Castellanos hit his fourth. Byron Buxton, another one. For the brand, for the Chris Towers brand. One for five with his eighth home run. Uh, 113 off the bat, nearly 113. 452 feet, an absolute bomb for Byron that was, Buxton. That was hit over like the, the, the most center field corner of that 
extended wall in Baltimore, and it didn't look like it got over by that. I would not have guessed that was a 452-foot home run yeah. based on the way it looked. Man. The Orioles hit five home runs today, though, so. Mountcastle himself had two. There you go. That was the next one up. Ryan Mountcastle, double dong, now has four homers on the season. Cedric Mullins hit his fourth. Jose Altuve added his third homer. Jeremy Pena hit his sixth. He has been awesome, Jeremy Pena. Jesse Winker hit his first home run of the season. Lefty on lefty against Shane McClanahan. Manny Machado, a double dong. He now has seven home runs. He also has five steals. He has been amazing. Tommy Edmond, three more hits, three RBI. He is batting 329. Some bullpen notes. Uh, Daniel Bard picked up his eighth save. Emmanuel Class A picked up his fifth. Corey Knebel was the closer on the other side of that implosion by the Phillies. Uh, he came, He entered the ninth inning. Runners on first and third, seven to three was the score at the time, and he allowed five runs to score, takes his first blown save, his second loss. Edwin Diaz struck out two for his sixth save. Yoan Duran, as much as we want to like this guy for fantasy, he's fun to watch, there's no doubt about it. His usage is just frustrating. He entered the seventh inning of a tie game, runner on third, obviously huge moment. He gets Trey Mancini to ground out, uh, and then he allows back-to-back home runs in the eighth inning, takes the loss for Duran. The Tigers, Gregory Soto, uh, in a tie game in the ninth, he gave up a run, took the loss. Taylor Rogers got his 11th save for the Rays. Uh, Taylor Rogers for the Padres, comma, for the Rays, they're up next. Andrew Kittredge was unavailable. Brooks Raley picked up his second save of the season. To stream or not to stream for the weekend, let's start with Friday. We've got 1-800-GLEN-OTTO at the New York Yankees. Tyler Anderson at the Cubs. Carlos Hernandez at the Orioles. Jordan Lyles versus the Royals. Josh Winder versus the Oakland A's. Chad Cool at the Diamondbacks. Jordan Hicks at the Giants. <laughs> We've got nothing. Uh, I hate recommending pitchers like this. Um, Tyler Anderson I, at the Cubs, I think, is okay. I think Anderson's the best one, yeah. Josh Winder, I kind of like Winders, him. Josh Winder, yeah, that's kind of interesting against the A's. Yeah. All right. Saturday, we've got Dane Dunning at the Yankees, Mitch Keller at the Reds, Nick Lodolo versus the Pirates, Chris Paddock versus the A's, and Daniel Lynch versus the Orioles. Uh, I think Lodolo's well, the top one, mm-hmm. and then Paddock, and, I mean, gosh, I don't have a lot of faith in Mitch Keller, but... He keeps he getting these good matchups. <laughs> yeah, against this team, yeah. Yeah. No Joey Votto. Uh, <laughs> lineup is beat up right now, so yeah. yeah. Uh, Paddock is one that I like as well. Sunday, we've got Michael Walker versus the White Sox, Bruce Zimmerman versus the Royals, Aaron Ashby at the Braves, Jake Odorizzi versus the Tigers, Dalton Jeffries at the Twins, Dakota Hudson at the Giants, Chris Flexen versus the Rays. Yuck. I think Zimmerman is by far the most interesting. Yeah. He's still got... That bad fastball that I worry about, but against Kansas City, the way they're hitting right now, I, I think it's okay. Agreed. We're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.